You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. All right, cool. My name is Billy Shiver. I'm the one of the pastors here. I'm the discipleship pastor, so that means that I just do the small groups. Um, and so, man, I'm excited to be here with you guys. As John was saying, if this is your first time with us this morning, uh, we're so glad that you're here um, and, and we really want to connect with you. And, and so uh, if you didn't have time to fill out the tear off card uh, before the offering buckets got by, you were actually going to have people um, at the doorways as you leave today um, so that you can do that. And please do that for us so that we um, can connect with you and, and, and tell you more about who we are as a church um, and how much we want you to be involved um, with us. Uh, one more thing before we, we jump into the messages is, is one of the things that, that we, our vision here at the church is to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. And so we love reaching people with the message of Jesus Christ, if you haven't figured that out yet. And, and you guys are a huge part of that. And so um, one of the things we wanted to challenge you guys with this morning is we want you investing in people's lives and inviting people. And so we want you guys leaving from here, um, scattering from here to, to, to reach people, to tell people about Jesus. And, and there's just something about bringing them back into um, this environment that we have, this uh, this family that we have, that God just shows up in a big way. And so we want to encourage you as we move towards Easter, um, we're, we're planning one of the biggest Easter services uh, that we've ever done, probably the biggest service that we've ever done. Um, and so we want you invested in people's lives and especially inviting them to church and inviting them to your connect groups and, and so that they can see the power um, of, of God in those things, just as, as you've seen the power of God um, through serving, through connect groups, through coming here on Sundays. We want, we want other people to experience uh, that same message. And so um, today we're jumping back into uh, this series that we're calling Walk. Um, and so obviously walk uh, in the Bible refers to a lifestyle, right? So walk means uh, how you're walking, the way that you're living um, in a lot of ways. And so uh, we've been in the book of Ephesians. We've been walking through it, right? The past couple of weeks we've been, uh, we've worked our way all the way from Ephesians 2 to now we're in Ephesians 4. Um, and so, like I said last week, if you were here, um, Ephesians, the first part of it has showed us really who we are in Christ, right? And then last week we took a huge shift, as Paul said, because of who you are, now this is how you walk, right? He used the terminology of walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, right? And so we, uh, last week, uh, we, we especially looked into our, our call to walk corporately, to walk in the church, right? To walk in unity, um, to, to walk in the church and, 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 and uh, to, to use our gifts to, to mature um, for the body sake. Well, this week, uh, we, we really want to see Paul shift more towards our personal walk, right? And so we read the scripture in Ephesians 2 um, last, last week that says, uh, you are Christ's workmanship. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's prepared beforehand that you should walk in them, right? So we see this picture of, of walking it out. And so today, um, I think Paul really wants to show us that the way we walk, the way we live our life matters to people and it, it matters in, in a lot of ways. And so I'm going to pray for us and we will jump uh, right into to the text. Lord God, thank you so much for uh, just bringing each and every person here uh, this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share uh, just as you've worked in my heart this week through this scripture. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts even again, God, that we would see who you are, God, that you would see um, your call on our lives to, to walk out this faith that you've um, given us, God. It's a gift. Our salvation's a gift um, through grace, through faith by grace. And, and Lord, I just pray that you um, would be here with us and, and that you would show up and, 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 and really speak to our hearts this morning, God. So we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can pop it open to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be there. We're going to finish up this chapter today. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, it will be um, on the screen right behind us. And so we're going to start in verse uh, 17. So I'll give you a second to turn there. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 starts this way. It says, now this, this is Paul talking. Remember, he's in jail. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, right? So he says, this I say and testify in the Lord. Um, He's saying that me and the Lord agree in this, right? He says, me and the Lord agree that the way that you used to walk, you shouldn't walk that way anymore. Um, and, and, And so he says, because you are no longer who you used to be. He's talking to believers here and he's telling us that the way that you walk matters. It matters. We don't want you to walk. God says, I've saved you to walk in a different light than uh, than, than when you first um, came to know the Lord. And so he's going to jump in. And so he says, that there's a way that I want you to walk, but first let me talk to you a little bit about um, how I don't want you to walk, right? So verse 17, let's keep going. I'll start back at the beginning. He says, now this I say and testify in the, in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, right? He says, and this is how they walk, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. They're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And so, that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty in your face way to tell you how we we once were and how we once walked. But the thing I want us to see today is, is this is us. This is who we were either before Christ or, or this is who we are now. And, and, and I really want us to, to dig into what this looks like. And one of the things I've been praying, um, this week is, as obviously the Lord has hit me really hard with this scripture is, um, for you guys, I've been praying, um, for you, even if you're a believer and you're in here that, that God would show you, um, how desperate you are for him, e- even as a believer, how, uh, who you are without him, because I think reflecting on who we are without him really gives us a great appreciation for his grace. And then the other side of it is if you're in here and, and maybe, um, you haven't recognized that this is who you are. I'm praying this morning hard that, that God would, um, would, would reveal this to you and, and to show you. And maybe today would be the day that you would come to a knowledge of who you are, right? So he starts off, he says, um, that, that your minds are futile, right? Um, I don't really know what that meant. So I, I looked into it. Um, futility is a, is a, is a, is a pretty awesome word. Um, not for us, obviously, but a cool word to study. And, and so he says, when your minds are futile, he means that, um, the way that you think is empty, right? He, he says the way that you think is, is pointless. Um, he says it's meaningless and you're incapable of, of producing a useful result, right? And so he says, before you know Christ, before he, he, he shines a light on you, he says, you, the way that you think you're wrong. Like that basically is the, the, the plainest way to say it. He says, um, the way that you're thinking is, is wrong. It doesn't mean that you're not smart. It doesn't mean that, um, that, that, that you're stupid. It just means that the way that you think about things is not right. And, and so it's, and then he goes on to say, and he says that your, your understanding has been darkened, right? Um, and so I don't know if you've ever been in the dark, but what can you see in the dark, right? Nothing, right? Absolutely. So have you ever tried to put anything together in the dark? It's impossible, right? You don't turn off the lights to try to assemble something, right? There's a reason because when you're in the dark, you, you, you can't understand anything. And God says, apart from, 
apart from his light, apart from understanding that all things are created by God for God, he says, nothing makes sense. And so he says, apart from the spiritual light, uh, you can know 10,000 facts. You can be a doctorate in your degree. You can be a professor. Um, you can be a student. You can be so smart in so many levels, but knowing facts doesn't show you the meaning of things. Does that make sense? And so he says, you can understand a hundred different things, but you need to know the meaning of it. And, and to get to the meaning, you have to get to the creator, right? And so he says, your, your understanding's darkened. You're like a blind person trying to figure out what's wrong. He goes on, he says, you've been alienated. He says, you're alienated from the life of God. Alienated just means excluded, right? He says, because of, um, he gives us a cause. He says, because of our ignorance and hard heart, we're cut off from the one thing that can help us make sense of everything, right? And so um, when you're in the world, um, like I was saying, you know, Colossians tells us that everything's created by God for God. And so in order for us to understand this world, Guess who we have to know? God, right? Because if if not, here's what we uh, we go back to. Verse four, or the fourth thing he tells us is that we're callous, which just is another word for hard-hearted. And then he says we've given ourselves over to sensuality, and we're greedy to practice every kind of impurity, right? And so sensuality is just this idea that whatever appeals to our senses, um, whatever makes sense to us, we begin to walk in, right? You think sensuality, think senses, uh, smell, taste, touch, feel. All these different things, you know, and so when you when you think about sensuality, it makes perfect sense that if we can't understand something, if God's not shining the light of his gospel on us, if we're not thinking through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of God, we begin to try to make sense of things. Right. And so we, we begin to walk in sensuality, which is just our attempt to make sense of things. And, and he gives us a he says. When you start walking in this sensuality, here's what you do. You give yourself over to the practice of every kind of impurity. Um, and I was reading this this week, and, um, and, and, and I, I read a paragraph in, in a book that I thought was really, really awesome. And I want you guys to hear it um, from, from, a, from a commentary that I read. And it said this, and it's explaining what it means when you give yourself over. He says, when you've given yourself up to sensuality, greed, and impurity, he says you are apathetic. He says, you plunge further into immorality. He said, this vicious cycle leads to a desire to go even deeper into sin to find a solution or some kind of satisfaction to fill the void that you have. He says, men in sin are never satisfied in sin. And this is it right here. Listen to this. He says, if you paint the town red tonight, you have to have a bigger bucket and a bigger brush for tomorrow night. He said, it's a vicious cycle that never stops. It just goes on and on. You ever seen a hamster in a wheel, right? That they're just crawling. They're trying to, they're trying to run. They're trying to run. And they look around and they're like, crap, I'm not anywhere. Right. And so it's that picture is, is when we try to make sense of this world apart from God, we start trying to feel everything we can, you know, with, with what we feel like makes sense. And the Bible calls this sin. He calls it walking in a lifestyle of sin. And here's the thing I can tell you about trying to make sense and trying to chase things other than God is that it always leads you further than you want to go, number one. And, and, and secondly, um, sin always promises you something that it can't give you. You know, it always promises you that, oh, this is going to satisfy you. This is going to fulfill you. This is going to do this. But you walk in it and then you're like, man, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be, right? And, 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 and that's where sin always leads you. And you have um, to think about that. And so what I want us to do is look back at this 17 um, through 19 text. And I want us to see that when God looks at the human heart, 
That's what he sees. He sees somebody who's futile. He sees uh, somebody whose understanding has been darkened. He sees somebody who's been alienated, who's, who's stubborn and running from the very thing that can give them meaning in life. He sees somebody who's given themselves up to every kind of sensuality, impurity, greediness, all these different things. And, and the, I feel like the thing that the Lord spoke to my heart this week is he said, Billy, this is you apart from Christ. This is who you are. And I'm like, hold on, God. Like, I know I've done some stuff that, that's pretty bad, but that, that's, that's intense. But the Lord said, apart from me, that's who you are. And, and so if you think about God as a doctor or a surgeon, when he calls each one of us in the room and they hand him the surgeon report of every one of our lives, no matter who we are in here, this is the report that he gets. He gets a report that we're futile, that, that we don't think right. We're not thinking like, like he wants us to think. He, he says that our understanding has been darkened. He says we've been alienated. We're callous. We've given ourselves up to every kind of sensuality and, and greediness um, and, and uncleanliness. He says, that's who you are. And, and, and that's who I am. And, and, and when the doctor looks at us, he says, this is the diagnostic diagnosis apart um, from Christ. And man, that's what I've been praying this morning is that we could understand that that's who we are apart from Christ, right? But here's the thing, and, and you may be in here today and you may be thinking, Billy, come on, man. Like, I'm just a good old boy, right? Because this is who I was. I'm, I'm telling you from, from my life, I, I'm, you know, I, I wasn't that bad, right? That was my explanation of myself when I thought in human standards is I was a pretty good guy. Like, I never killed anybody, never, you know, I didn't cuss that much, you know, I didn't sleep with a lot of girls. Like, I didn't, you know, that was my thought of myself. I, I was a pretty good guy, but then God's like, no, 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 no. This is who you are. This is who you are. You're evil from your heart and, and, and you want, you want your own, your own glory. And, and so maybe you're sitting in here today and you're thinking, Oh God, Billy, Lord, like seriously, this is me. And, and, and maybe you would ask, how do you, how do you know, how do I know that this is me, Billy? I know you're talking about this, but how do I know? And, and I would just refer you back and I would say, man, you're chasing after the next big thing, right? You, you, you're seeking fulfillment in other things. You, you, you know, college student, maybe you're seeking fulfillment in a, in a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? You, you, you think they're going to feel you. So it's, oh, if they can't feel me, then I need to get another boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And so you're, you're chasing after these things. Maybe it's a job, right? Maybe it's, it's, if I can just get this promotion or if I can get to this one level that that's going to fulfill me, right? Uh, maybe you're, you're chasing after money. And so it's, it's, man, if I could just make this amount of money, we'd be good. We'd be, we'd pay all the bills. We'd be fine. We could do what we wanted to do. We could go on that vacation. We could do all these things. Maybe it's, you're not happy in your marriage and, and it's maybe, man, if I could just, you know, she seems so awesome or he seems so awesome. I know my wife and my, you know, my, my family's not really doing it for me right now. If I could just have her, if I could just have this one affair, it would bring me satisfaction. It would bring me fulfillment. Uh, if I could just have this next Next high, right? If I could just, you know, I know this drug didn't work or I know this porn didn't work. Maybe this one will work. Maybe, you know, if I could just, and you're chasing and you're chasing and you're chasing, implement whatever it is in your life into there. And, and that's where you're at. And you're chasing after these things. And, and there's a verse that came to mind when I thought about these in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. And it says, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. And, and that's where we're at. We're chasing those things. And hear me today. We have to understand that that's where we're at. 
And because the way, the, the, why we have to understand that is until we understand that, we don't understand our need for Jesus, right? Jesus is just something that we can add on top of. He's a good thing. He's going to make me, uh, he's going to make people think more of who I am. He's going to make those things. But when we think like that, we don't think we need a savior. Does that make sense? And, and I can't tell you how much the Lord has worked in my heart this week through this, because that's what I want you guys to see today is that you don't need another good thing to, to add to your um, to, to your resume. That's not what you need. You need a savior. You need Christ. You need somebody who can open your eyes to, to the light of the gospel and open your eyes to walk with him. And so maybe that's you today. And here's what I would tell you. I'd say, I'd point you back to the cause. Did you catch it in verse 18? Um, he, he says this, he says, Ephesians four eighteen. he says, they are darkened in their understanding, understanding alienated from the life of God because of what? The ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart, right? And so God gives us a root. He says, the root of you walking like you're walking, the root of you chasing after these things to try to fulfill you is, is your hardness of heart, right? It's, it's, it's hardness of heart that creates an ignorance. Ignorance just means you, you don't know anything. You, you're not, you know, you're not smart. And, and, and so you're not pursuing the right things. You're ignorant to the truth. And, and I would tell you this, this is why we need, Ezekiel 36 says, we need a new heart. He says, this is the core of the problem is your hardness of heart. And this is why we need a savior, right? Because if, if, if it was just an action that we needed, if we needed to come to church more, if we needed to go um, to another Bible study, if we needed to come to Sunday school, if we needed to do all these things, we could just do those on our own, right? We don't need a savior, but God says, no, the reason you need a savior is because without him, you, you don't have a, you need a new mind. You need a new heart. You need new desires. You need something different. You need to be made new. And, and that's the purpose of, of this is Paul saying, Hey, don't walk like this because this is not who you are anymore. God's given you a new heart. He's given you a new desires. And I love how he transitions here. He, he, he goes to verse uh, 20 right here and listen to what he says. He says, but that is not the way you learned who? Christ, right? And so he says, but that's not the way you learn Christ. So if you're still walking in this, he says, that's not the way you learned in Christ, right? He's saying, that's not the way God said you needed a new heart. God said you needed a savior. I sent him for you. You believed in him. You received a new heart. You received new desires. You received a new life direction. And he says, now walk in it, right? And so he gives us this picture of walking and he says, um, going on in verse 20, he says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Verse 21, listen to this. He says, assuming, or if indeed, as some translations say, if indeed that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in who? Jesus, right? And he says, this is the truth that you were taught. 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, right? And so he, look in verse 20 and 21, you see these words learned, heard, taught, right? And so here's the thing, like we don't, um, you know, and I've never thought about this until this week too, is like, why do we spend so much time like teaching, right? Why don't we just play music the whole time on Sundays or why, you know, don't we do all these things? And, and God says, he uses these word. He says, because we as believers, we're learners, right? We're, 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 we're students, right? That's the meaning of disciple. A disciple is just a, a follower or a student or a learner. And, and so the first thing that we have to understand is 
as believers, we become learners, right? And so we become learners of the Bible. We become um, readers. It's crazy. I hated to read before I got saved. Hated it. Like I I could not stand it. You couldn't. Accelerated reader was the devil to me. I mean, I could not read anything. Me and my buddies would get together. We'd be like, all right, you read uh, the summary of this book and you tell me about it and then we'll go take the test. Right. And so we, that's what we did because we hated to read so bad. And, and man, but I'll tell you this, when I came to know the Lord, I wanted to know him so bad. And I still want to know him so bad. And I, I want to read about him. I want to read the Bible. I want to do these things and, and do this. And, and so here's what he says. He said, um, the importance of teaching after salvation. He, he, he goes back to the importance of, of, of being taught, the importance of learning, the importance of, of, of these things. This is the importance of our foundations class. This is, if you're in a connect group, you're walking through this right now. Um, and the reason we do this, the reason we are so, um, passionate about teaching you guys things is, is because a lot of people aren't taught. I sat in church my whole life and was, I I feel like I didn't learn anything. Half of it was because I didn't care. But the other half is, I don't know that anybody ever told me, um, what to expect after salvation. This is what our foundations class is for is if you come to know the Lord, we want you to know what happened. We want you to know what happened. We want you to know what to expect afterwards. We want you to know how to spend time with God. And the reason we do that is because when I came to know the Lord, nobody told me Hey, uh, hey, this is what just happened. You just got a new heart. You got some new desires and you're about to walk. He said, nobody told everybody said, you need to spend time with the Lord. I was like, okay. So I went and bought a hundred devotionals, right? Not knowing what spend time with the Lord looked like. All I need was a Bible and and praying. And and you know what I mean? And so nobody told me that nobody told me that what was going to happen afterwards, which is what he goes into in verse 22. He tells us to put off our old self. And then he says to put on the new self in the next verse, right? And so he, he almost makes it sound like, what is there, split personalities or something? He says, put off your old self and put on your new self, right? And then it's like, okay, well, I thought I got a new heart, received new desires, new mind, new way of thinking, all these different things. But Paul says, just because you received a new heart doesn't mean that your old heart isn't there, right? That doesn't mean that your old flesh is what the Bible calls it isn't there. And so this is the picture we have to, I don't know, have you ever seen the cartoon where you have the angel on this shoulder and the devil on this shoulder? Have y'all, y'all seen that? And the, the angel's over here like, no, do not kill him. And then the devil's like, yeah, get him, man, get him. You know, and so you see these two things interacting. Well, you know, that's the picture that Paul's given is he says, when you're saved, you have the desires of Christ in you, the desire to do good, the Holy Spirit, the desires of Jesus. But he says, you still have your flesh and that spirit is trapped inside of a fleshly body. And that flesh still desires to walk in the same way, right? Because he gives us characteristics. If you look back in the verses where he talks about putting off the old self, what does he say? He says, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to what? Your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, right? So he says, he gives us two examples. He says, one, that was your old self. You're not that person anymore. If you're a believer walking that way, that's not who you are anymore. God's changed you. Now you're a new person. You're a new creation. He says, that person was corrupt through deceitful desires. Okay, well, what are deceitful desires? Remember when he told us that we weren't thinking right at the beginning of the chapter, he says, hey, you're futile and you're thinking. You just think about things wrong because you don't think about things through the lens of Christ, right? And so he says, don't resort back to that way. Don't get, don't, don't be that hamster on that wheel. Don't chase after those things because the God's already told you the only thing that's going to satisfy me is me. And, and God says the only thing that's going to satisfy you is him and your relationship with him and chasing after him. Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added, right? 
right? That's the picture of, of what Paul's trying to tell us. And so he says to put off the old self, right? Put off, put on. You got to think of uh, the Bible uses it in the way of putting on a pair of clothes and taking off a pair of clothes, right? So it's like laying aside this old self and, and putting on this new self that we have in Christ. And it's such an awesome uh, picture of it. If you see put on the new self, what does it say? Um, it says this right before put on, it says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Right. So he says, put on the new self. Right. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So the first thing that Paul reminds us of is he says, dude, it's mental. It's a mental thing. He says to put on this new self that Christ wants you to walk, to be this new creation that God wants you to be. He says, you have to think, <laughs> you know, you have to think about it. You can't be lazy in your thinking. And, and I can not tell you, I tell my guys all the time in, in our small group, I say, man, if you're not mentally exhausted trying to pursue God, you're not pursuing him, right? Because it is a mental battle because in order for your actions um, to, to go through, the Bible says they have to, they have to flow this way, right? So they flow flow mind, heart, and then they, they flow out, right? And so you everything that you do flows out of those things. They have to pass by your mind and your heart before you do them. And, and he says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. What does it be to, what does it mean to be renewed in the spirit of your mind? He says it created after the likeness of our God in true righteousness and holiness. What's he doing? He's reminding us who we are, right? He says, remember who you are. Remember you're created after God. You have Jesus in you. You're created in righteousness and holiness, right? And it's, it's not a coincidence that the first thing that Paul tells us to do or the first thing that Paul reminds us of when he says to put on the new self is he reminds us of who we are in Christ because that is so essential when, when you seek to honor the Lord in the way that you walk. When you put on this, this new self, as, as the Bible calls it, he says, a huge part of that, first thing that you need to do is remember who you are, right? How do we know who we are? The Bible. We read the Bible and we, we, we think about it, right? And so you see this picture and now, so he's already told us, all right, this is who you were. All right, now this is who you're supposed to be. Put on the new self. You were futile in your thinking because you didn't know Christ. Now you know Christ. Now what I want you to do is put on this new self, walk from this identity um, that I've already given you. And now, verse 25, he's about to shift towards, all right, well, practically, what does it look like to, to, to walk in this new self, right? He's going to give us some examples of, of what was going on um, in Ephesus at this time. But I would say they're very practical towards um, us today, right? So verse 25, he says, therefore... Um, therefore is always a huge word. Anytime you see this in scripture, it always means whatever was behind it is very important to grasp the concept that's coming after it, right? So he says, therefore, it, basically in that therefore, he means now that you know the difference between the old self and the new self and that these are going to be waging war in you, you have the desires of Christ, yet you have your old flesh that's saying, no, don't walk that way. Be selfish, be selfish. Um, he says, now that you understand that and then now that you know that you need to walk in the new self, he says this, verse 25, therefore, having put it, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another, right? So what does he say? He says, Hey, don't lie to each other. Speak the truth to one another because you're members of another. Remember that from last week? He says, because you're a body, right? You're a family. So he says, 
Lying doesn't do any good. You're part of a family, so why would you lie to each other? You know, and and maybe you've experienced this in your family. Like I used to, you know, try to fib my sister all the time, right? So I'd always try to to joke with her and do all this different stuff. Like I wasn't mad. Like one time, I'll give you this example. This is some real dirt on me, but uh, anyway, she we were five or six or seven or eight. I don't know how old I was. I'd go lower to not embarrass me as much. Well, anyway, my grandma decides to take her to uh, SeaWorld or Disney World or somewhere. I don't even remember where it was, but it was somewhere where I wanted to go. I think it was the zoo or something. And so, um, but they're like, you're too young, Billy. You can't go. The lions may eat you and all this stuff. I'm like, I want to go to the zoo, mom, you know, and you see this. And my grandma swings by, picks her up. They go down to Jacksonville. Um, Well, I got the brilliant idea that, hey, I'm not going to tell her I'm mad, but when she goes, I'm mad, right? And so I went in her closet and I cut up all of her clothes. <laughs> and so I was an evil little kid, obviously, as you see. But you know what? She knew I was mad, right? And, and so I used to lie. I'd lied to her to her face, but when she left, you know, I didn't. And so I say all that to say that there's no sense in lying to your family, right? It's, it's, it, it, there's no sense in lying. We need people to speak the truth to one another. I love the picture that James 5, chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says. This is what it says for us as a family, for us as a connect group, for us as a church. It says this, um, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, and he says, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wondering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins, right? And so here's the thing. The picture of us speaking truth to one another is we all have a common desire, right? We all have a common desire to put on this new self as believers, to walk in a way that honors Christ. Well, a huge part of that is having people around us that we enable to speak the truth into our lives to say, hey, Billy, I don't think that's a good idea, man. You know, but but what we do is we tend to flock to people who tell us what we want to hear, right? And who tend to say, ah, oh, dude, just, that's fine, man. You know, don't, you, you can date him. I know he doesn't know the Lord, but he's pretty cool, you know, like, or, or, you know, or you can do that. It's not that big of a deal. Just cheat on your tax a little bit. That's, you know, that's not a big, we tend to flock to people who think like-minded to us, but here's what the Bible says. We need to get around some people that can speak truth to us and that can push us, spur us on towards the Lord, right? So the first thing, don't lie to each other. Speak the truth because you're a body, right? That picture of a body. You're the hand, I'm the foot, you're the arm, I'm the leg, right? It does no good for my hand to lie to my arm because my hand's going to be doing something my arm don't want to do. Does that make sense? And so it's that picture of, of going into the body of Christ that way, right? And then he jumps in, verse 26, he says, be angry. You didn't know the Bible said be angry, did you? <laughs> be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil, right? So the Bible says it's okay to be angry. He says, but don't harbor it, right? Because when you harbor anger, what happens is it produces sin, right? So the problem isn't angry. I would even say that, that believers can get angry because God gets angry. But what does he get angry, angry towards? Sin, right? Unrighteousness. And so when we see that 27 million slaves are being sexually trafficked today, that should anger us. We should be mad about that. When somebody you know, finds my wife in a crosswalk and punches her in the face... It's okay for me to be mad about that, right? But here's the thing God says is don't harbor it. 
Don't go to sleep with it in your heart. Don't do that because here's the thing that bitterness will do and anger will do is it'll sit in there and it'll just, it'll eat you up, man. And it'll change everything. It'll begin to control you. It'll begin to control who you hang out with, who you talk to, the way you talk to people, your feeling, your moods, and, and it'll, it'll control the way you talk to your spouse, like all these different things. And so God says, it's okay to be mad. He says, but deal with it. Right. And, and so maybe Here's the thing, you know, maybe today that there's some of you guys in here that you're mad towards somebody, right? You're angry with somebody. You've got bitterness and resentment in your heart for somebody. And here's the thing I tell you is I don't know everybody's situation in here. I don't know what so-and-so did to you or, or they did to you. I, I, don't, I don't begin to think that I can understand it. And I can't relate with every person in here. But here's the thing I do know is that the word says that if you harbor it in your heart, it's going to eat you up, right? And I can promise you the person that maybe you hate so much is not losing sleep about what they've done, but you are. And God says, I'm just, I promise, I will take care and I will avenge for my people, right? And so we can trust that and say, God, I don't have to like them, but I'm not harboring this bitterness in my heart. Take it away from me and, and God will deal with it. And so maybe that's you today. And I'd ask Today's the day to deal with that. It's, it's hindering you from walking with the Lord the way that he wants you to walk um, with him. So hear that. In verse 28, he's moving on. He says this, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Right? So he says, hey, don't, don't steal anymore, right? Don't steal from each other. It's not good. Nothing good comes from it. And, and stealing doesn't just have to be me breaking in somebody's house and stealing. He says, hey, don't cheat on your taxes. Give the government what they deserve. Give the government what's their due. Hey, employer, don't treat your employees like slaves and not pay them for what they're doing, right? Don't do that. That's not right. He says the same other side of being an employee. When you work from somebody, don't show up and goof off the whole time. Like they're paying you to work. Be honest work for what they're paying you to do. He says this, he's don't bum off other people, right? He says, don't be a moocher. Like don't, you know, don't, this is just an example. Don't come to connect group and eat, 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 and then never bring anything, right? That's just a stupid example, but that's the picture. Don't be a taker, be a giver, right? And that's the perfect picture because he says, get a job, do honest work. And, and then he says for a reason, right? Anytime you see so that in scripture, it's important. Whatever's coming behind it is the very reason that he's given you the commandment before it. So he says the opposite of stealing is getting a job providing for yourself, providing for your family and providing for others in need. And he says, the reason I want you to do this is so that what, what's the last part of the verse say that, that he may, that we may have something to what share with anyone in need. Right? So God's saying, the reason I want you to be honest and get a job is because I want you to be a giver. I want you. And, and, and so, so many people in the church saying, Oh, they want my money again. They want my money again. No, that's not what we're trying to do. What we know is that God wants you to be a giver, right? It's better to give than receive. It's a part of you growing in him. It's a part of you saying, Hey, I want to, I want to give because of what God's given to me. And that's the picture of Jesus. And that's who he is, is Jesus him, even himself is a giver. So he says, men, women, get a job, do honest work so that you can begin to, to be a giver and, and, and to begin to meet the needs of people in your family. Right. And then he jumps over to verse 29. He says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion 
that it may give grace to those who hear, right? And so I'd say this, nothing divides a church quicker than gossip. I can promise you, almost 90% of every quarrel that I've ever had to, you know, deal with or counsel on starts with somebody saying something about somebody, you know? Even when you work as a, as a you know, I used to work at daycare when I was coming up through school. It's always he said, she said, and that's why we got in a fight, right? That's the picture is, is God says, don't do that. Don't, don't talk in that way to one another. He said, don't gossip about each other. And what does Jesus even say about our words, right? Jesus says, um, basically says our words reveal what's in our heart. That's the picture. He says, what you say has power because it reveals what's in your heart. And that's the picture. Uh, James talks a ton about it in his books. But here's the thing. Words have the ability to build people or destroy people. You know, a good way to think about it is every word that you say either has the ability to build somebody up and give grace to them or it has the ability to destroy people. And one of the things that has helped me um, a ton with this is, is uh, I think Brandon reminded me one time, he said, always have conversations as if the person that you're talking about is in the room with you. And every time you do that, I promise you will speak in a way that builds people up. Um, and, and it's very, very much helped me in a lot of way. And even they said this about Jesus in, um, in Luke chapter 4, verse 22. Here's what they said about Jesus when he came into the temple. And, and this was kind of their first dose of who he was when he started his ministry. Here's what they said. And all spoke well of him, right? All spoke well of Jesus and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth, Right? Why did they marvel at his words is because he was speaking life to people, right? Don't think that people don't see the way that you talk to people. They do. And it means so much to our witness for Christ. And don't let the words that come out of your mouth ruin your picture, painting that picture of who Christ is. I promise it. It's not worth it. Verse 30, he says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed with the day of redemption, right? And so a lot of times the thing that we forget is, is this idea of grieving the Holy Spirit. We forget that Jesus is a person, right? That's hard because we can't see him. We can't touch him. We can't feel him. Billy, you're telling me the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I can't see that. I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? It sounds weird. And, and the thing that we forget sometimes is the Holy Spirit is an actual person, right? You got this idea of the Trinity, God existing in three persons. You got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three distinct persons, right? So there are three distinct persons. And, and the idea of grieving is that they have emotions, they feel things, right? And so here's the thing that we, Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, when you walk in this old nature, when you turn back to the futility of your mind, he says, you grieve the Holy Spirit, you break its heart, right? And, and, and there's not a better um, example of repentance than this. You know, we see it in the life of Peter. Um, I love this, this story, uh, and, and not because Peter denied Jesus three times, but just talking about repentance. One of the, the cool things about it is, is you see um, when Jesus goes to get crucified, right? Uh, the book of Luke um, depicts this as he's going to get crucified. It says Peter kind of follows from a distance, right? And so Peter's following behind him. And, and one of the things that, that Peter does is, is when he gets there and Jesus is before the court, what Peter does is he's standing kind of in the courtyard where they have a fire. And basically what happens is they're like, hey, weren't you with Jesus? You were just with Jesus, right? You were with Jesus, right? And Peter's like, no, no, I wasn't with him. No, he's about to get killed. I wasn't with him, right? And then it says at that moment, when he denied Jesus the third time, a rooster crowed, and it said that him and Jesus made eye contact, right? 
And, and some, some, you miss that if you read over it too fast. They made eye contact. Well, that's the picture. When we walk in our old self, it breaks the heart of God. And we have to, don't you know that it broke Peter's heart when, when God looked at him after he denied Jesus three times? He said, I'll never do this. I'll never do this. And he denied him that third time. And, and Jesus looked at him eye to eye. And, and man, don't you know that it broke his heart? Well, I tell you this, when we walk in our old life, man, it breaks the heart of Christ. And, and we have to see that. And that leads us to our knees to repent and to, um, to ask for God, tell God you're sorry, right? And then he stops in verse 31 and he says this. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. He says, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, Right? And so Paul ends with this. He says another part. I love how Paul tells us. He says, don't just put these things away, but do these things. Right. So he gives us instruction of what not to do and to do. And so Paul says this. He says, hey, don't be bitter. Don't um, don't hold hostility or resentment in your heart. He says, don't refuse to reconcile with somebody. Don't don't be that way. He says, don't um, allow deep hostility or anger uh, go to wrath. Wrath is just instantaneous rage, right? So when we're hostile towards somebody and they say one thing, they may not even be meaning it. We just, you know what I mean? And so we go at them so fast with instantaneous rage. He says, don't clamor. He says, put away clamor, put away slander, which is just evil speaking behind somebody's back. He says, and, and do away with all malice. Malice is just evil intent or maliciousness is the word that it comes from. And so when we're malicious, we have evil intent towards people. He says, don't be that way. He says, be kind hearted, right? What does he say? He says in the scripture, he says, be kind to one another. He says, be tender hearted, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. He says, remember, remember you're painting a picture of something. You're God's ambassador. He said, the way that people see Christ is through the way that you live, through the way that you walk. Don't ever think that the way that we walk doesn't mean a lot to people. When people see us forgive one another, when people see us forgive other people, um, not because we want to forgive the person, but because Christ forgave us and we know how much he forgave us. Man, it, it, it is a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful example of who Christ is. And, and we see that and do that. And so remember that. Um, and so that's the scripture, but I wanted to kind of break it down. I'll do this um, in five practical ways. And so if you got your pen, if you want to write something down, this would be my takeaway. And I, I wanted to kind of put it in a language that maybe we could understand if that flew by us, but um, hopefully it didn't. But the way is like five ways to walk out. So God wants us to put away this old self, right? Take off this old set of clothes and put on this new one. And so five things as I was thinking this week, help me do this, right? And not that I'm perfect because I mess up all the time, but here, here's just some ways that maybe can be helpful for you as you begin to try to put off your old self and put on this new self and walk with the Lord. The first one is this, remember who you are. Remind yourself of who you're not, right? So remember who you are and remind yourself of who you're not, right? So a huge part of putting on this, this new self is knowing who the new self is, right? And so uh, I just wrote down some things, you know, you may remember this from when Brandon um, had us write the letter from God to ourselves during the Better Story series. This is what this comes from, but this is what I think about um, when I remind myself every morning of who I am. Um, I remind myself this, I'm not guilty, I'm forgiven, right? If you want to write these down, these may be good for it to have. He says, I'm not guilty, I'm forgiven. This is God telling me this. I'm not hated, I'm loved. 
I'm not far away from God. I've been brought near. I'm not alienated anymore. I'm reconciled. God is not against me. God is for me. And he loves me. God is not angry with me. He loves me. I don't need to pay God back. Jesus has already paid my debt. I don't need to clean myself up. I need to remember who Jesus is and remember what he's done for me. Right? And so when we remind ourselves of those things in the morning before we walk, man, they change things. When you walk around like you're already forgiven and not trying to earn it, which is number two. Number one is remember who you are. Remind yourself who you're not. Number two, live from your identity and not to earn it. Right? This changes everything. When we walk around living from an identity and not to earn an identity, it changes everything. You talk about freedom, right? Remember the comment from last week? It's not about who? Me. It's about who? Jesus, right? That's the picture is, man, when we walk in that idea of I don't have to earn anything anymore. Jesus has already given me everything that I could never earn anyway. So let me think about, right, this mental idea of think about who I am and allow that to drive how I walk, right? So it makes it less about you and what you're doing and more about Christ and honoring him in that. It's such a beautiful thing to think about. Number three is read God's word and do what it says, right? So how do we know who our identity is? How do we know how we're supposed to walk? Read God's word, right? Read the Bible, make this daily, read it. Uh, we never, like I was saying, these we're, we're learners, right? That's the picture of being a disciple is we're learners. We never stop learning. So read the Bible daily. Read it and do what it says. We never stop learning. I promise you, you'll never go wrong with do it, reading the Bible and doing what it says. Number four, find community, right? That's why we're so adamant here about you getting into a connect group. You need to have people around you that, trust me, you're going to have a bad day. You're going to get up and not feel like pursuing God. You're going to get up and not want to read the Bible. But that's where it's crucial to have people around you to say, hey, Billy, come on, man. You know what's right. You know what to do. Do this. You know, and we have people around us who cannot tell us what we want to hear. Hey, Billy, it's okay. You don't have to read. Just, you know, when you feel like it, do it again. No, I need somebody to say, Billy, Read the Bible, read the Bible. You know, that's the picture that we need somebody to speak truth to us um, and do that. And we find that in community. If you're not in a connect group, you need to be right. Number five, don't give up. This is a little three parter here. Don't give up, ask for help and embrace the process. Right. So the last one we got to remember is don't give up. Right. It's, It's not always easy. Ask for help. Embrace the process. Right. The thing that we have to hear and hear this this morning We're not perfect, right? We have to know that we're not perfect, but here's the thing. We got the God of the universe, right? You know, the song we sing, the God of angel armies, he's always by our side, right? To not ask for help is, is stupid. We need, we got him. We got him beside us to help us, right? There's a reason that Paul, um, he, the Paul explains the Christian walk like an athlete running a race. You ever thought about that? He says to run the race so that you can win the race, right? And there's a reason because it's a process. We have to get up every morning and and run the race, right? Even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't feel like it, we have to do it, right? And so those are the five things. Remember who you are. Remind yourself who you're not. Live from your identity and not to earn it. Read God's word. Do what it says. 
find community, get into a connect group. Number five, don't give up, ask for help and embrace the process. God has big plans for your life. I promise he, he wants to do great things with you and, and don't give up asking for help. You, you're going to mess up. Nobody in here is perfect. I promise, include myself. But here's the thing. God can use us and he wants to use us for big things. And so I'll close with this. Maybe today, and and I've been praying this, and so maybe this will speak to you. But I told you earlier, I've been praying all week that God would open people's eyes to to who we once were, right? To, To that futility that we used to walk in. And so maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Billy, that's me. I know I need that new heart. I need a heart. I need, I need something. I realize that I'm not seeing the world. I'm like that hamster on that wheel. I'm chasing after the wrong things and they're not fulfilling me. And today's the first day that you've ever heard that, that God is, he, he says, Ecclesiastes says he's put eternity in your heart. There's only one thing that can fulfill that satisfaction you're looking for and it's Jesus. And so maybe that's you this morning. And, I, and if that's you this morning and you want a relationship with God for the first time, would you raise your hand for me? Anybody? All right, cool. And so maybe that means we're all believers in here, right? So the next thing is is maybe as we read through these scriptures, you realize, man, I really want you to think about the idea of Peter making eye contact with Jesus, right? He said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. And when it came down to it, he denied him, right? He had broken the heart of God. And, And so maybe this... Maybe today, I don't know what you guys are walking through, but maybe today the Lord spoke into your heart and said, man, I'm doing this and it's breaking the heart of God. And maybe today is the day that you say, God, I realize that the first step to being healed and, and, and to, to, for God to, to fix you is to say, Lord, I'm doing this and I need help. And, and man, maybe that's you this morning. And I want to give you the opportunity as I pray. We got our prayer team over here that would love to pray for you. And, and they're not judging you. They just want to pray for you. And I can promise you there's something about letting other people know what's going on with you and, and dealing with that that God uses to heal you. And, and everything they do is in confidentiality, I promise. But maybe that's you today. And there's something that God's pressing on your heart. I need to deal with. Um, and, and, and I need to deal with it today. Don't walk out of here today without dealing with it. Let me pray for us as I pray you go. Father, we love you so much, God. We, we, we're so thankful, God, that yet we were blind. You came and you died to give us life, God, to give us eyes, God, to, to give us a new mind, to give us a new heart. Lord, we're so thankful for that. God, may we never take for granted what you've done for us. God, may we see the futility that we walk in. God, knowing you is knowing that your way is the best. It matters how we walk. God, when we say we love Christ, but we walk out of here and walk like we don't love him, people see that, they recognize that. And God, I pray that we would recognize that today, God, that we would be a people, not that are perfect, God, but that a people that want to honor you and that want to be your ambassadors, that want to represent you to the world around us, God, where we work, where we live, in our neighborhoods, God, where we play, at the gym, wherever that is, Lord, I pray that today would be the day, God, that we would deal with that, God, that we would begin to put on this new self that you've given us, God, and and put away this old filthy life that we used to have, Lord, um, and know that we have you to help us, God. So we fall to our knees often, would you convict us often, and God, would you lead us and guide us, we need your help so bad, in Christ's name. Amen.